go ahead and just, if you wouldn't mind, have a seat for a moment. Every year we, we make it a point uh, to spend some time uh, taking communion on Palm Sunday. This is actually, I was thinking back on it, from the very beginning of our church, uh, we, we have done this every Palm Sunday. And uh, one of the reasons why is that as we approach uh, our Easter celebration, I, I want us to take some time the week before to stop and remember. And, and what, what Palm Sunday is is simply this... Uh, Leading up to the final week of Jesus' life, on Sunday he enters into Jerusalem. And now, if you've been tracking with us as we've walked through the Gospel of Matthew, uh, you, you remember that Jesus, in, in, in our leg of the journey, has just told his disciples, hey, we have to go back to Jerusalem. And, and one of the things that they consistently say to, them, to Jesus is, hey, they don't like you there. They've been trying to end you. In fact, they've been sending parties to dispute you. And, and we know that, that they, they will not treat you kindly. And Jesus says, I'm going. And he starts to prepare their hearts for, for the necessity of his death on the cross. And he says, we will, the Son of Man will be betrayed. He will be put to death. And he says, and he will on the third day rise again. And so what we remember on Palm Sunday is his triumphal entry. And it was such a beautiful scene. Uh, he, he sends his disciples to go get a donkey and, and he rides in to Jerusalem on the back of it, which, by the way, is foretold that he would do so. And people came from all around and they would lay these palm branches before him and they would, they would say, Hosanna, Hosanna, our Savior is here. And the tragedy of the scene is that in just a matter of a few days, some of those very same people who would shout Hosanna will also shout, crucify him. But all is necessary. And I was thinking through what what kind of a verse can help us understand the necessity of the cross? And, and uh, thank you, Logan. I, I have one. Thank you. Um, he's like, I got one. And God brought this verse to mind a couple of days ago, and I was like, that, no, not that one. We, we, we all know, no, I still have one. Um, not that one, God. Everybody knows that one. Everybody knows that one. But, but I, I feel this morning that he wouldn't let me get away from it. And so as we talk about the necessity of the cross, and as we prepare our hearts to take communion this morning, I, I want us to walk through two verses. The first one is more than likely very familiar to you. But I find it very fitting and the second one, when combined with the first, teaches us something incredibly important about the heart of the Father. And, and it goes like this. Beric, you got... For God so loved... Now, oh, I know that one, right? For God so loved the world 
that He gave His only Son, that whoever would believe in Him shall not perish, but have what? Eternal life. Now here's, here's what I want you to see. No, yeah. For God so loved the world. Okay? Now, now. Thank you, Logan. For God so loved the world. Gotcha. I know. Let's, let's make it just a little bit serious now, though. Um, for God so loved the world. Now, let me, let me tell you about the world, because we think of it as this vast place. But what we know in the Bible is that God's concern isn't as much for the world as He is for the people in it. And so when we hear those words, for God so loved the world, that means for God so loved you and me and you and me and you and me and you and me, all of us. So that, that, that makes this verse very personal to us. That God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. And this is what we get to celebrate really beginning this week and really, if we're honest, every day of our life if you are found in Christ. That God gave us Jesus, not that we trapped Him into giving us anything, but that because His love for us, He gave us something so incredibly valuable that whosoever, whoever believes in Him, sorry, my NIV is coming out, whosoever, uh, whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. And this is the beautiful call of the Gospel. That in Christ... We find peace and joy and fullness. We get our identity. We have a purpose, a reason for living. And then verse 17 is, I believe, equally as important, though it might not be equally as famous, right? Uh, nobody, nobody goes to a football game and holds up John 3.17, right? So that is hilarious. They're looking to stay near more often. Um, for, for God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world. Now, this is big. This is big. If you've grown up believing that God does not love you, that God would not accept you, that God is against you, this verse is paramount for you. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn it, but in order that the world might be saved through who? Him. So, so here's what we know about this verse. That God is for you. That God's love is for you. That God's motivation for, for rescuing you isn't to condemn you. Isn't to, to, he doesn't send Jesus to walk around and say, you were all without hope. You were all so broken that you have no opportunity to be made whole again. He doesn't say that. Jesus comes in and says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I bring you to your Father who loves you so deeply and who has brought you into His story not to end you, but to liberate you, to rescue you from sin and from death. And so this is what we get to celebrate today. If you are found in Christ, this is what you get to celebrate today. 
that God has come and He has sent Jesus into our story. And because of His work, we stop just for these few moments and intentionally say thank you. So the way this works is is pretty simple. In the back here, we have communion elements. There's a there's a uh, cup of juice, and then there's a piece of bread, and you can just pinch off a little bit of bread. Then you bring it back to your seats, and then we'll all partake together. But what we are remembering is that Jesus gave His body for our sins. That He is our substitution in front of a mighty and a holy God. And that by His blood, we are healed. That's what we remember. So the best way for us to do this is, I think last time we let you guys go first, so we're going to let you guys go first this time. It's only fair, guys. Calm down. So I'm going to dismiss you, and then uh, we'll just kind of form a line. And it works easier if we all go that side and we come back up through the middle. Um, And then when that line gets down, uh, we're going to put Finley in charge. Okay, when Finley stands up, uh, this whole group gets to go. All right, you good? You got this? All right. So, so let's let's pray, and then let's let's start that process, Father. We thank you that that that's, that when you say that you love the world, that includes me and that includes us. And I thank you that you haven't sent Jesus to condemn us, to consider us unfixable or unmendable. So this morning, Father, we pray that we would remember that. That we would remember what you gave. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, this side first. The final few are kind of getting their stuff together. Let me let me tell you why we do communion this way. Um, <clears throat> there's a there's a scene in the Bible in all the Gospels where Jesus is having his final supper uh, with his disciples, and as he is uh, spending the night, John, I believe, I believe, gives us the most intimate uh, picture of of that dinner, uh, because in it Jesus explains a lot of things to his disciples. He prepares them for a lot of things as he says, hey, I'm I'm about to go and things are going to get really difficult in your life, but take heart because when I go, I'm going to, after I go, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit and he's going to remind you of these things that I'm teaching you or that I have taught you. Five second rule. Hold on. All right, we're safe. Um, But during the course of that evening, he he stops and he does something kind of peculiar. He breaks, his, breaks the bread and he looks at his people and he says, This is my body that's broken for you. Do in remembrance of me. And so when we, when we partake of the bread together, we, re, we are remembering that Jesus' body was broken for us. And I encourage you to take some time this week just to read the final week uh, of Jesus' life that you would see through his encounters with um, the people who are trying to kill him. 
the punishment that He bore on our behalf. And then He'll, after He takes the bread, He takes some wine and He says, this is my blood that is poured out for you. And He links us to this Old Testament practice of the sacrifice. That God associated or God commanded that for the the cost of your sin, that blood must be spilt. So in the Old Testament, we would take an ox or a goat or a pigeon or or whatever kind of animal was fitting for for the remission of your sins. And he would come in and, and we would offer that sacrifice and God would accept it. But Jesus becomes our final and our most fulfilling sacrifice. Because as He lays His life down for us, as He comes back to life again, what we learn is that we are forgiven forever. As long as we are found in Him. So we stop this morning and we take remembrance of that. Father, we thank You for the body of Your Son that He bore the weight of our sins. That the punishment we deserved was put on Him. And I thank You that by His stripes we are healed. You may partake of the bread. Father, We confess our sorrow that our sin separates us from You or separated us from You. And we confess our praise to You that You have made a way for us to be made right. We thank You that the blood that Jesus poured out for us rescues us, cleanses us, You may partake of the juice.